Book 1. A master who lived as a hermit on a mountain was asked by a monk, What is the way? What a fine mountain this is, the master said in reply. I am not asking you about the mountain, said the monk, but the way. The master replied, So long as you cannot go beyond the mountain, my son, you cannot reach the way. The way is easy, but you are the mountain, and beyond lies the way. Crossing yourself is very difficult. Once you are on the way, there is no problem, but the way is very far from you. And you are such a mass of contradictions that one fragment of you goes to the east, another goes to the west. You are not moving in one direction. You cannot as you are. Because to move in one direction, you need an inner unity, a crystallized being. As you are, you are a crowd with many selves, with no unity. At the most, to make some arrangement, as everybody has to make. If you control yourself, at the most you can become an assembly, not a crowd. And then too you will be the Indian assembly, not the British. At the most, the majority of your fragments can move in one direction, but the minority will always be there going somewhere else. So even a very controlled man, disciplined, a man of character, thinking that man too never reaches to the way. He may be able to adjust to the society, but he is also not enough able to reach the way from where the door to which the Divine opens. You are really a mountain. The first thing to be understood that the crowd must go 
the polypsychic existence must become unipsychic. You must be one. That means you must be thoughtless. Because thoughts are a crowd, they divide you. And every thought pulls you apart. They create a chaos within you. And they are always contradictory. Even when you decide, the decision is always against some part within you. It is never total. I have heard it happened. Mullah Nasruddin was very ill, tense, psychiatrically ill. And the illness was, he became by and by absolutely unable to make any decision. Not big decisions at that, but small ones also. Whether to take the bath or not, whether to use this tie or that, whether to take the taxi to the office or drive the car. Not big ones, small decisions, but he became unable to make them. So he was put in a psychiatric hospital. Six months of treatment and everything settled and the doctors felt that now he is okay. They said one day, now Nasuddin you are absolutely okay. You can go back in the world, take your job, start working and functioning. We are completely satisfied, now there is nothing wrong. But seeing a, a slight indecision on Nasuddin's part, the doctor said, Don't you feel now you are ready to go into the world and start working and functioning? Nasuddin said, Yes and no. But this is the situation. Whether you are ill or healthy is not the question. The difference is only of degrees. But this remains the problem deep inside, yes and no both. You love a person, yes, and deep down is hidden the no. Sooner or later, when you get bored and fed up with the yes, the no will come up and you will hate the person, the same person you loved. You like something, but the dislike is hidden. Sooner or later you will dislike the same thing. You were mad when you loved, when you liked, and you will be mad when you hate and dislike. As you are, yes and no both, how can you move towards the Divine 
The devotee needs total commitment. Nothing less will do. But how you can commit totally? You are not a total being. This is the mountain. The path is easy. But you are not on the path. And all the techniques, all the methods in the world, and all the masters, to be exact, they don't give you the path. The path already exists. Their methods and techniques simply lead you towards the path. They are not paths. They create small pathways on the mountain. So you can go beyond. Because the path is there. No need there is to create a path. It already exists. But you are lost in a forest. You have to be brought to the path. So the first thing is more divided, more far away from the way you will be. More undivided, nearer the path. Thoughts divide because they are always carrying the opposite within them. Love carries hate, friendship carries enmity. Liking carries dislike. Right is Sozan when he says, there is lies distinction between like and dislike. A slight movement in, a, in your being of like and dislike. And heaven and earth are set apart. No distinction and you have reached. Because with no distinction, you are one. So first thing to remember is how to drop thoughts and become thoughtless. Thoughtless but alert. Because in deep sleep also you become thoughtless. That won't do. It is good for the body. That's why after a deep sleep your body feels rejuvenated. But the mind remains tired even in the morning because the mind continues activity. The body relaxes. It too cannot relax totally because of the mind. But still it relaxes. So in the morning body is okay. At least workably okay. But the mind feels tired even in the morning. You go to the bed tired. You get up in the morning more tired. Because the mind was continuously working, dreaming, thinking, planning, desiring. The mind was continuously working. In deep sleep, for a few moments, when you are absolutely unconscious, you become one. This same oneness is needed with a conscious and alert mind. As you are in deep sleep, 
no thought, no distinction of good and bad, heaven and hell, God and devil, no distinction of any sort. Simply you are, but unconscious. This has to be attained while you are alert and conscious. Samadhi, the final, ultimate, the utter meditation, is nothing but deep sleep with full consciousness. Deep sleep you attain. So the only thing to be attained is becoming more and more conscious. If you can add more consciousness to your deep sleep, you will become enlightened. The mountain is transcended and the path opens. One thing. Second thing, you carry the past within you. That creates multiplicity. You were a child. The child is still hidden in you. And sometimes you can still feel the child kicking. In certain moments you regress and become the child again. You were once young, now you are old. That young man is hidden there. And sometimes even an old man starts being as foolish as a young man. You carry the whole past, every moment of it. And you have been many things from the womb up to now. You have been millions of persons and they all are carried within you, layer by layer. You have grown. The past has not disappeared. It may be hidden, but it is there. And it is not only in the mind, it is even in the body. If you were a small child, and you were angry, and someone said, stop, don't be angry, and you stopped, that anger is still being carried by your hand. It has to be so, because energy is indestructible. And unless you relax that hand, it will persist. Unless you do something consciously to complete the circle of that energy which had become anger, in a certain moment, 50 years back or 60 years back, you will carry it within you. And it will color all your actions. You touch somebody, but the touch won't be pure. The whole past is carried by the hand. All anger repressed. All hatred repressed. That is there. Even in love, if you touch a person, your touch is not pure. Love cannot be. Because where that anger will go, which is carried by the hand. Wilhelm Reich worked very much on this somatic repression. The body carries the past. The mind carries the past. 
because of this loaded state you cannot be here and now you have to come to terms with your past so meditation is not only a question of doing something here and now before that is possible you have to come to terms with your past you have to dissolve all hangovers and there are millions of them even when one becomes old he is also a child a young man and all that he has ever been is there because you don't know how to die every moment that is the whole art of life to die moment to moment so that there is no hangover a relationship finished you don't carry it you simply die to it what can you do something was happening and now it is not happening you accept it and you die to it you simply drop it with full awareness and then you are renewed in a new moment now you are not carrying the past you are no more a child but watch yourself and you will feel the child is there and that child creates trouble if you were really a child there was no trouble but you are young or old i have heard mulana suddin was hospitalized he was 80 and then came his birthday and he was waiting that his three sons will bring some present to him they came of course but they had not brought anything because he was 80 years old a child feels happy by a present but an old man 80 years old his eldest son was 60 so they didn't thought about it at all but when they came and mulla looked and they were empty handed he felt angry frustrated and he said what have you forgotten your old father poor old father's birthday it is my birthday the child at that moment you could have looked in the eyes and this 80 year old man was not there just a child waiting for some toys the son said forgive us we forgot completely mulana suddin said i reckon i will forgive you because it seems this forgetfulness runs into our family really i forgot to marry your mother he was really angry so they all three shrieked in unison 
And they said, what? Do you mean we are? He said, yes. And then the cheap ones at that.
and you were going to cry and weep and you forgot that has remained incomplete it is there and any day whenever somebody snatches the tie from you it may be any tie it may be a girlfriend and somebody snatches you you start weeping and crying and you can find that child there incomplete it may be a post you are mayor of the town and somebody snatches the post a tie and you are crying and weeping again find out regress into the past move again because there is no other way now the past is no more there so if something has remained hanging the only way is to relive it in the mind move backwards every night make it a point for one hour to go backwards fully alert as if you are living the whole thing again many things will bubble up many things will call your attention so don't be in a hurry and don't pay half attention to anything and move again because that will create again incompleteness whatsoever comes give total attention to it live it again and when i say live it again i mean live it again not just remember because when you remember a thing you are a detached observer that won't help relive it you are a child again don't look that you are standing apart and looking at a child his toy being snatched no be the child not outside the child inside the child be again the child relive the moment somebody snatches the toy somebody destroys it and you start crying and cry and your mother is trying to console go through the whole thing again but now don't be diverted by anything let the whole process be completed when it is completed suddenly you will feel your heart is less heavy something has dropped you wanted to say something to your father now he is dead now there is no way to tell him are you wanted to ask his forgiveness for a certain thing you did and he didn't like but your ego came in and you couldn't ask his forgiveness now he is dead now nothing can be done what to do and it is there it will go on and on and destroy all your relationships i am very much aware of that because to be a master is to be in a certain sense a father it is to be many things but very importantly it is in a certain sense to be a father when people come to me if they are loaded with their relationship with their father then it becomes very difficult to be related to me because i always feel their father comes in 
if they have hated their father they will hate me if they wanted to fight with their father they will fight me if they loved their father they will love me if they respected their father they will respect me if they respected just superficially and deep down they had a deep disrespect the same will be with me and the whole thing it starts working if you are conscious you can watch go back now the father is no more but for the eyes of the memory he is still there close the eyes again be the child who has committed something done something against the father wants to be forgiven but cannot gather courage now you can gather courage you can say whatever you wanted to say you can touch his feet again or you can be angry and hit him but be finished let the whole process be completed remember one basic law anything that is complete drops because then there is no meaning to carry it anything that is incomplete clings it waits for its completion and this existence is really always after completion the whole existence has a basic tendency to complete everything it does not like incomplete things they hang the wait and there is no hurry for existence they can wait for millions of years move backwards every night one hour before you go to sleep move into the past relive many memories by and by will be unearthed many you will be surprised that you were not aware that these things are there and with such vitality and freshness as if they had just happened you will be again a child again a young man a lover many things will come move slowly so everything is completed your mountain will become smaller and smaller the load is the mountain and the more smaller it is you will feel freer a certain quality of freedom will come to you and a freshness and inside you will feel you have touched a source of life you will be always vital even others will feel that when you walk your step has changed it has a quality of dance when you touch your touch has changed it is not a dead hand it has become again alive now life is flowing because the blocks have disappeared now there is no anger in the hand love can flow easily unbiased in its purity you will become more sensitive vulnerable open if with the past you have come to terms 
suddenly you will be here and now in the present because then there is no need to move again and again go on moving every night by and by memories will come up before your eyes and they will be completed relive them completed suddenly you will feel the drop now there is no more to be done a thing is finished less and less memories will come as time moves there will be gaps you would like to live nothing is coming and those gaps are beautiful then a day will come when you will not be able to move backwards because everything is complete when you cannot move backwards only then you move forwards there is no other way and to move forwards is to reach the path the whole consciousness moving ahead every moment into the unknown but your legs are being pulled continuously by the past the past is heavy on you how can you move in the future how you can be in the present the mountain is really big it is a himalaya uncharted unmapped nobody knows how to pass through it and everybody is such a different himalaya that you can never make a map because it differs with everybody you have your himalayas to carry others have their himalayas to carry and with these mountains when you meet with people there is only clash and conflict the whole life becomes just a struggle a violent struggle and everywhere you can see and feel and hear the clash whenever somebody comes near you are tense and the other is also tense both are carrying their himalayas of tension and sooner or later they were clash you may call it love but those who know they say it is a clash now there is going to be misery be finished with the past the more you are free from the past the mountain starts disappearing and then you will attain a unison you will become by and by one who lived as a hermit on a mountain was asked by a monk what is the way every word has to be understood because every word carries meaning a master who lived as a hermit on a mountain Mahavira goes into the mountains 
Why they move to the mountains, to the loneliness? Why they become solitaries? Just to face their inner mountains immediately and directly. In society, it is difficult. Because the whole energy is wasted in day-to-day -day work and routine and relationship. You don't have enough time. You don't have enough energy to encounter yourself. You are finished in encountering others. You are so much occupied. And to come face to face to oneself, a very unoccupied life is needed. Because it is such a tremendous phenomenon to face oneself. You will need your all energies. It is such an absorbing job. It cannot be done half-heartedly. Always seekers have moved into solitary existences just to face oneself wherever they go. Just to face oneself. Not to make it complicated, because in relationship it becomes complicated, because the other brings his or her miseries and mountains. You are already loaded, and then comes the other. And then you class. Then things become more complex. Then two diseases meeting. And a very complicated disease is created out of it. Everything becomes entwined. It becomes a riddle. You are already a riddle. It is better first to solve it. And then move in relationship. Because then you can help somebody if you are not a mountain. And remember, two hands are needed to make a sound. And two mountains are needed for a class. If you are no more a mountain, now you are capable of being related. Now the other may try to create a class, but it cannot be created. Because there is no possibility of creating a sound by one hand. And the other will start feeling foolish. And that is the dawn for wisdom. You can help if you are unburdened. You cannot help if you are not unburdened. You can become a husband. You can become a father, a mother. And you will be burdening with your burdens others also. Even small children carry your mountains. They are crushed under you. It has to be so because you never bothered to have a clarity about your being before you become related. That must be the basic responsibility of every alert being that before I move in any relationship I must be unburdened. I should not carry a hangover. Only then I can help the other to grow.
otherwise I will exploit and the other will exploit me otherwise I will try to dominate and the other will try to dominate me and it will not be a relationship it cannot be love it will be a subtle politics your marriage is a subtle politics of domination your fatherhood motherhood is a subtle policy politics look at mothers just simply watch and you will feel they are trying to dominate small children their aggression their anger is thrown on them they have become objects of catharsis and by this they are already burdened they will move in life carrying mountains from the very beginning and they will never know that life is possible without carrying such loaded heads and they will never know the freedom that comes with the unloaded being they will never know that when you are not loaded you have wings and you can fly into the sky and into the unknown and God is available only when you are unburdened but they will never know they will knock at the doors of temples but they will never know where the real temple exists the real temple is freedom moment to moment dying to the past and living the present and freedom to move to move into the dark into the unknown that is the door of the divine a master who lived as a hermit on a mountain alone you must make a distinction between two words lonely and alone in the dictionaries they carry the same meaning but those who have been meditating they know the distinction they are not the same they are as different as possible loneliness is a ugly thing loneliness is a depressive thing it is a sadness it is an absence of the other loneliness is the absence of the other you would have liked the other to be there but the other is not and you feel and you miss you are not there in loneliness the absence of the other is there alone it is totally different you are there it is your presence it is a positive phenomenon you don't miss the other you meet yourself then you are alone alone like a peak tremendously beautiful even sometimes you feel it terrific but it has a beauty but the presence is the basic thing you are present to yourself 
you are not lonely you are with yourself alone you are not lonely you are with yourself lonely you are simply lonely there is no one you are not with yourself and you are missing the other loneliness is negative an absence aloneness is positive a presence if you are alone you grow because there is a space to grow nobody else to hamper nobody else to obstruct nobody else to create more complex problems alone you grow and as much you want to grow you can grow because there is no limit and you are happy being with yourself and the bliss arises no comparison because the other is not there so you are neither beautiful nor ugly neither rich nor poor neither this nor that neither white nor black neither man nor woman alone how can you be a woman or a man lonely you are a woman or a man because the other is missing alone you are no one empty empty of the other completely and remember when the other is not the ego cannot exist it exists with the other either present or absent but the other is needed for the ego to feel i other is needed a boundary of the other fenced from the neighbors i feel i when there is no neighbor no fencing how can you feel i you will be there but without any ego the ego is a relationship it exists only in relationship alone the master lived a hermit means alone on a mountain facing himself meeting himself at every corner wherever he moves and counting himself not burdened with the other so knowing well what he is who he is things start solving themselves if you can be alone even things like madness just the other night i was talking to few friends in the west if a man goes crazy mad insane neurotic much treatment is given too much really for years and the result is almost nothing 
man remains the same. I have heard once it happened, a psychiatrist was treating a woman who had an obsession, the obsession is called kleptomania, of stealing things. She was very rich. There was no need. But just a psychological obsession, it was impossible for her not to steal. Wherever she will find an opportunity, she will steal even things worthless, a needle, a button. She was treated for years. After the five-year long treatment, thousands of dollars went down the drain. After five years, the psychiatrist who was treating her, the Freudian psychoanalyst, asked, now you look normal and now there is no need to continue the treatment. You can drop out of it. What do you feel? I feel perfect. I feel fine. Everything is good. Before you started treatment, I always used to feel guilty about stealing things. Now I steal, but I never feel guilty. Fine, everything is good. You really did it. You helped me a lot. This is all that happens. You simply become accustomed, attuned to your illness, that's all. In the East, particularly in Japan, because of Zen, a totally different treatment has existed for at least 1,000 years. In Zen monasteries, which are not in any way hospitals, not meant for ill people, but they are the only place in a village the Zen monastery exists. If someone goes mad or neurotic, where to go? In the East always, they will bring the neurotic people to the master. Because if he can treat normal people, why not neurotic? Because the difference is only of degrees. So they will bring the neurotic people to the Zen monastery, to the master, and they will say, what to do? So you take charge of him, and he will take charge. And the treatment is really unbelievable. The treatment is no treatment at all. The man has to be given a solitary cell somewhere at the back of the monastery in a corner. The neurotic has to live there. He will be given food, every facility. That's all. And he has to live with himself. 
within three weeks, only three weeks, with no treatment, the neurosis disappears. Now, many Western psychiatrists are studying that this is a miracle. This is not a miracle. This is simply giving the man a little space to sort it out, that's all. Because he was normal few days before. He can be normal again. Something has become too heavy on him and he needs a space, that's all. And they will not pay much attention because if you pay neurotic person much attention, as it is being paid in the West, he is never going to be back again because nobody paid so much attention before. He is never going to be back the same because nobody bothered about him. And now great psychoanalysts are bothering, great doctors, names, world famous names, and they talk to him or her. The patient lying on the couch, resting, and a great name, just sitting behind. And whatsoever seer, he talks, listening carefully. Every word, and so much attention. The neurosis becomes an investment. Because people need attention. Few people start behaving foolishly because the society gives them attention. In every old country, in every village, you will find a village fool. And he is not a mediocre man. He is very intelligent. Fools are always almost intelligent. But they have known a trick that people pay attention, they feed them, Everybody knows them, they are already famous, without holding any post. The whole village looks after them, wherever they pass. They are like great leaders. A crowd follows them, children jumping and throwing things at them. And they enjoy, and they are great ones in the town. And they know now that this being a fool is an investment, a good. And the village takes care. They are well fed, well clothed. They have known the trick. And no need to work. No need to do anything. Just be a fool and it is enough. If a neurotic person, and remember ego is neurosis, and ego needs attention, Pay attention and ego feels good. Many people have simply murdered just to get attention of the newspapers. Because only when they murder, they cover headlines. They become suddenly very, very important. Their pictures are given, their names, their biographies are covered. Suddenly, they are not nobodies, they have become somebody. Neurosis is 
a deep hankering after attention and you give attention, you feed it. That's why psychoanalysis has been a complete failure. In Zen monasteries, they treat the person within three weeks. In Freudian psychoanalysis, they cannot treat in thirty years. Because they miss the very point. But in Zen monastery, no attention is given. Nobody thinks that he is somebody important. They simply leave him alone. That's the only treatment. He has to sort out his own things. Nobody bothers. Within three weeks he comes out absolutely normal. Solitariness has a healing effect. It is a healing force. Whenever you feel that you are getting messed in, don't try to solve it there. Move away from society. For a few days, at least three weeks. And just remain silent. Just watching yourself feeling yourself, just being with yourself and you will have a tremendous force available which heals. Hence, in the East many people have moved to the mountains, to the forests, somewhere alone, somewhere when there is nobody else to be bothered with, only oneself. So you can feel oneself directly and you can see what is happening within you. Except you, nobody is responsible for you, remember. If you are mad, you are mad, you have to sort it out. It is your deed. This is what Hindus say, your karma. Their meaning is very deep. It is not a theory. They say whatsoever you are, it is your own work. So sort it out. Nobody else is responsible for you. You are only responsible. So go in a solitary confinement to sort out things to meditate on your own being and your problems. And this is the beauty that even if you can just be quiet living with yourself for a few days, things settle automatically. Because an unsettled state is not natural. An unsettled state is unnatural. You cannot prolong it for long. It needs effort to prolong it. If you simply relax and let things be and watch, no effort to change anything. Remember, if you try to make any change, you will continue the same because the very effort will continue to disturb things. It is just sitting by side of a river. The river flows. The mud settles. 
the dead leaves go to the sea. By and by, the river is absolutely clean and pure. You need not go into it to clean it. If you go, you will muddle it more. Simply watch and things happen. Hmm? This is what the theory of karma is. That you have messed yourself, now move alone. So you need not throw your problems on others. You need not throw your diseases on others. You simply move alone. Suffer them in silence. Watch them. Just sit by the bank of the river of your mind. Things settle. When things settle, you have a clarity, a perception. Then move back into the world. If you feel like, that too is not a necessity. That too should not be the obsession. Nothing should be the obsession, the world or the mountain. Whatsoever you feel natural, whatsoever you feel is good and heals you, whatsoever you feel you are whole in, not divided, that is the path. The mountain is crossed. You have reached to the path. Now follow it. Now follow into it. The mountain is the problem. The path is available when you have crossed the mountain and you have accumulated this mountain in many lives, your karmas, whatsoever you have done, it is now heavy on you. A master who lived as a hermit on a mountain was asked by a monk, a seeker, what is the way? What a fine mountain this is, the master said in reply, looks upset, because the man is asking about the way, and the master is saying something about the mountain. Looks absolutely irrational, outlandish, because the man has not asked anything about the mountain. Remember, this is my situation. You ask about A, I talk about B. You ask about the way and I talk about the mountain. If you love me, only then you can feel. If you simply listen to me, I am upset. Because I am not talking relevantly. If I talk relevantly, I cannot help you. That is the problem. If I talk something which seems relevant to you, will not be of much help, because you are the problem. And if I talk relevantly, that means I adjust to you. Even to you, I look relevant. It means something has gone wrong. I have to be irrelevant by the nature of the phenomena itself. I will look upset, irrational, and this gap between the question and the answer, 
can only be bridged if you have trust. Otherwise it cannot be bridged. How to bridge it? The gap between the seeker and the master, the disciple and the master, the gap between the question and the answer. Because you question about the way and the answer is given about the mountain. How to bridge? Hence, trust becomes very, very significant. Not knowledge. Not logic. Not argumentative capacity. No. A deep trust which can bridge the irrelevant answer, which can see through the irrelevancy deep and can catch a glimpse of the relevancy. What a fine mountain this is, the Master said in reply. I am not asking you about the mountain, said the man, but the way. He sticks to his question. If you stick, you will miss. Because you are wrong, your question cannot be right. That's impossible. How can you ask a right question? If you can ask a right question, the right answer is not very far away, it is hidden there. If you can ask a right question, you are already right. And with a mind who is already right, how? The answer can remain hidden. No. Whatsoever you ask, whatsoever you say carries you. It happened. Mullah Nasuddin was getting fatter and fatter, stouter and stouter. The doctor advised for a diet. After two months, Mullah went to see the doctor. The doctor said, My God, it is a miracle. You are even more fatter than before. I cannot believe my eyes. Are you following strictly the diet I gave to you? Are you eating only that which I prescribed and nothing else? Nasuddin said, nothing whatsoever, nothing whatever. Of course, I am following your diet. The doctor couldn't believe. He said, tell me Nasuddin, nothing whatever. Nasuddin said, of course, except my regular meals. regular meals plus the diet that doctor has prescribed. But this has to be so. Your mind 
moves in whatsoever you do, you ask, you think, it colors everything. You cannot ask a right question. If you can ask a right question, there is no need to ask. Because the right is the thing, not the question, not the answer. If you are right, you ask the right question. Suddenly the right answer is there. If you can ask the right question, you simply have no need to go anywhere. Just close your eyes and ask the right question and you will find the right answer there. The problem is not with the right answer. The problem is not with the way. The problem is the mountain. The problem is the mind. The problem is you. What a fine mountain this is, the Master said in reply. I am not asking you about the mountain. Said the monk, but the way. The Master replied, so long as you cannot go beyond the mountain, my son, you cannot reach the way. Many things to be understood, to be felt rather. The Master replied, so long as you cannot go beyond the mountain, my son, you cannot reach the way. Why suddenly my son? Up to now, the Master has not used a single loving word. Why suddenly my son? Because now the trust will be needed. And you cannot create trust in a person just what you say by saying something, even if it is the absolute truth. A trust can be created only if the master is loving, because only love creates trust. On the side of the disciple, a trust is needed, sraddha. A deep faith is needed. But the faith arises only when the Master says, My son. Now the thing is moving differently. It is not an intellectual relationship. It is beginning of the heart. Now the Master is becoming more a father than a master. Now the Master is moving towards the heart. He is making now a relationship. If you ask head-oriented questions and the master goes on answering them, it may be on the face of it a dialogue, but it cannot be a dialogue. You can criss-cross, but you cannot meet that way. When people talk, listen, they crisscross each other, but they never meet. This is not a dialogue. They both remain rooted in themselves. They never make any effort to reach the other. My son is an effort on the part of the master to reach 
he is preparing the way for the disciple to trust. But then again the problem arises because the disciple can think that this is too much. I have not come here in search of love. I have come here in search of knowledge. But a master cannot give you knowledge, he can give you wisdom. And wisdom comes only through the vehicle of love. Hence suddenly he says, my son, so long as you cannot go beyond the mountain, you cannot reach the way. One thing more, he said, what a fine mountain this is. To an enlightened person, even madness is beautiful. To an unenlightened person, even enlightenment is not beautiful. The whole attitude changes. He says, what a fine mountain. To an enlightened person, even your neurosis is a beautiful thing. He accepts that also. It has to be transcended, but not destroyed. One has to go beyond it. But it is also beautiful while it lasts. One has to reach somewhere else, but the goal is not the thing. The thing is each moment living the goal here and now. For an enlightened person everything is beautiful and for an unenlightened person everything is ugly. For an unenlightened person there are two categories, less ugly, more ugly. No beauty. Edges. Whenever you say to a person you are beautiful, in fact you are saying you are less ugly. You watch again you say and then find out what you mean really. Do you mean really beautiful? Because that is impossible for your mind. Your mind cannot see beauty. You are not so perceptive. At the most you can manage to see that this person is less ugly than others. And less ugly can become more ugly any moment. Just a change of mood. Your friend is nothing but the least inimical towards you. You have to be that way because your mind is so messed. It is such a chaos. Everything is muddled, murky. You cannot see direct. Your eyes are covered with millions of layers. It is really a miracle how you manage 
even to see. You are completely blind. You cannot hear, you cannot see, you cannot touch, you cannot smell. Whatsoever you do, it is impure. Many things come into it. You love and millions of things are there. Immediately you start being possessive. And you never know that being possessive is part of hate, not part of love. Love can never purchase. Love is giving freedom to the other. Love is an unconditional gift. It is not a bargain. But to your mind, Love is nothing but less hate, that's all. At the most you think, I can tolerate this person. I cannot tolerate that person, so I cannot love this person, I can tolerate. But the valuation remains negative. When you are enlightened, the valuation becomes positive then everything is beautiful. Even your mountain, your neurosis is beautiful. Even a madman is something beautiful. Beauty may have gone a little astray, but it is still beautiful. God may have gone a little astray and sinned, but it is God. So nothing can be wrong for an enlightened person. Everything is right, less right, more right. The difference between a devil and God is nothing. The difference is only of less and more. The God and the devil are not two poles, enemies. Hindus have beautiful words. No other country has been so understanding about words. Sanskrit is really something which nowhere exists. Very perceptive people. The English word devil also comes from the same root as deva. Deva means God. Devil and God come from the same root. Div. Div means light. From the same div, the devil, and from same div, deva, devata, the divine. The word divine and devil come from the same Sanskrit root. It is one phenomenon. Your seeing 
may be different, your standpoint may be different, but it is one phenomenon. An enlightened person will say even to devil, how beautiful, how divine, how wonderful. It happened, one Mohammedan mystic woman, Rabia al-Adaviyah, changed many lines in her Quran. Wherever there is said, hate devil, she crossed it. Then once, another mystic, Hassan was staying with Rabia. And on the journey, he has forgotten his own copy of Quran somewhere. And in the morning, for morning prayers, he needed. So he asked Rabia's copy. Rabia gave him. He was a little surprised in the beginning because the Quran had collected too much dust. That means every day it is not used. It is not used at all, it seems. For many months it has not been used. But he thought it will be impolite to say something. So he opened the Quran and he started his morning prayer there. He was surprised even more, even shocked. Because nobody can correct Quran. And there are many corrections. Wherever it is said, hate devil, Rabia has simply cast it completely, rejected it. He couldn't pray. He was so much disturbed. This Rabia has gone heretic. Seems become, she has become a atheist or what? Because this is impossible for a mountain to conceive that you can correct Quran. It is God's word. Nobody can correct it. That's why they say, now no more prophet will be coming. Because if the prophet comes again, and he says something which is not in the Quran, it will create trouble. So the doors have been closed after Muhammad. He is the last prophet. And they are very clever. They say many other prophets have been in the past. He is not the first. But he is the last, and now no more message will be coming from God. He has given the final with Muhammad. So how dare this woman Rabia? She is correcting Quran. He couldn't pray. He was so much disturbed. He finished somehow, went to Rabia. Rabia was an enlightened woman. Very few women have become enlightened in the whole of the world. Rabia is one of them. Looking at Hassan, she said, it seems you couldn't do your prayer. It seems the dust on the Quran disturbed you. So you are still attached to things like dust. 
and it seems my corrections in the Quran must have shocked you very much. Hassan said, how? How you could know? Rabbi said, I passed when you were praying and I felt all around you much disturbance. It was not a prayerful prayer at all. It was such neurotic, the vibrations. So what is the matter? You tell me and we finish with it. Hassan said, now that you have started yourself, don't think I am impolite. But I couldn't believe a woman like you should correct in Quran. Rabia said, but look first at my difficulty. The moment I came to realize, the moment I came face to face with the Divine, after that, in every face, the same face I can see. No other face is possible. Even if devil comes to stand, I see the same face. So how I can hate devil now that I have realized the face of the divine that I have come to see. Now every face is his. I had to correct. And if ever I meet Muhammad, I have to tell him, frankly, that these words are not good. They may be good for the ignorant, because they divide, but they are not good for those who know, because they cannot divide. Hence the Master says, what a fine mountain this is. Everything is beautiful and divine for a man who knows. I am not asking you about the mountain, said the man, but the way. Have you ever observed? You never ask any question about you, about the mountain. You always ask about the way. People come to me and they ask what to do, how to reach God, how to become enlightened. They never ask what to be. They never ask anything about themselves as if they are absolutely okay, only the path is missing. What do you think? You are absolutely okay, only the path is missing. So somebody can say, go to the right and then turn to the left and you are on the path. It's not so simple. Path is just in front of you. You are not missing the path at all. You have never missed it. Nobody can miss it. But you cannot look at it because you are a mountain. It is not a question of finding the way. It is a question of finding yourself who you are.
when you know yourself, the way is there. When you don't know yourself, the way is not there. People go on asking about the way and there are millions of ways proposed. And there cannot be. There is only one way. The same way passes before Buddha's eyes and the same way passes before Lao Tse and the same before Jesus. Millions are the travelers, but the way is the one, the same. That is the Tao, the Dhamma. The Logos of Heraclitus, it is one. Millions are the travelers, but the way is the one. There are not million ways. And you are not missing it. But you always ask about the way and you always get entangled in the ways. Because when you ask, when foolish people ask, there are more foolish people to answer them. If you ask and insist, then somebody has to supply it. This is the law of economics. You demand and there will be a supply. You ask a foolish question and a foolish answer will be given because don't think that you are the ultimate fool. There are better ones. Smaller ones become disciples and better ones become masters. You ask and they supply the answer. Then there are millions of ways and always in conflict. And mom done saying you cannot reach through that way because it never leads anywhere. It goes in a cul-de-sac. Come to our way. And if you don't listen, we will kill you. Christians are persuading. Come to our way. They are more clever than mountains. They don't kill really. They bribe. They seduce, they give you bread, they give you hospitals, they give you medicine, and they say, come our way, where are you going? They are merchants, and they know how to bribe people. They have converted millions just by giving things to them. There are Hindus, they go on saying that we purchase the whole truth and they are so arrogant, they don't bother even to convert anybody, remember, you fools, you need not be converted, they are so arrogant and they think that we know the way, if you want you can come, we are not going to bribe you or kill you. You are not that much important. You can come if you want. But we are not going to make any effort. And then are, there are 300 religions in the world. And each religion thinking that is, this is the only way. 
way. And all others are false. And the question is not of the way. The question is not which way is true. The question is, have you crossed the mountain? The question is, have you gone beyond you? The question is, can you look at yourself from a distance, a watcher? Then the one way. Muhammad and Mahavir and Krishna and Christ, they all walked on the same way. Muhammad is different from Mahavir. Krishna is different from Christ. But they walk on the same way. Because the way cannot be many. How many can lead to one? Only the one can lead you to the one. So don't ask about the way. And don't ask about the method. Don't ask about the medicine. First ask about the disease that you are. A deep diagnosis is needed first. And nobody can diagnose it for you. You have created it. And only the creator knows all the hooks and corners. You have created it. So only you know how these complicities arise and only you can solve them. A real master simply helps you how to come to yourself. Once you are there, the way opens. The way cannot be given but you can be thrown upon yourself. And then the real conversion happens. Not a Hindu becomes a Christian or a Christian becomes a Hindu. But an outward moving energy becomes an inward moving energy that is conversion. You become an inward looking. The whole attention moves inwards and then you see the whole complexity, the mountain. And if you simply watch it, it starts dissolving. In the beginning it looks like a mountain. In the end you will feel that it was just a molehill. You never looked at it because of your back. It became so big. When you face it immediately, it decreases, becomes a molehill. You can laugh about it. Then it is no more a burden. You can even enjoy it and sometimes can go in it for a morning walk. Enough for today.